before we begin today's show. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. As you know, we've got a few more days until the 2020 season resumes. To get yourself up to speed with the biggest storylines surrounding the NBA's return, be sure to give a listen to the Low Post podcast. After you're done listening to today's Hoop Collective, of course. You can download and subscribe to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. And while you're there, leave him a review. He'd love to hear from you. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast where we talk about the NBA, which we are doing as we record this Sunday night with some guys on the West Coast. In Seattle, it's the machine, Kevin Pelton, who's watching 10 hours of basketball a day again. (laughs) Getting How's back in the swing. <laughs> God bless you. Um, I'm, uh, I, the, the quality, I, I, don't you think Pelton is the quality better than you thought it would be? I mean, we're, we're getting some, some kind of ugly fourth quarters, but I mean, uh, teams being ready, trying to get ready for the playoffs. I see it. I feel it. Yeah. I mean, in the fourth quarter, it basically becomes a summer league game because you're watching right. it in July in the middle of the day and it's, you know, young guys and, and fringe right. players. But yeah. yeah, the first few quarters, the shooting, I think, has generally been better than I expected. I, I looked at this after the first day and the, the three point shooting was down from what you'd expect. But otherwise, it was better quality of play than we see typically during the preseason, which, you know, is the expected comp for this. Yeah. And joining us from Los Angeles is Mike Schmitz who's one of the best uh, draft guys, if not the best, in the uh, in the business. Um, and we thought we would do something a little bit different today as we look at some of the players in the bubble. But but first off, before we get to that, um, Schmitz, do you like lemon pepper wings? I love lemon pepper wings. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Um, <laughs> they're, you know, I haven't had them from everywhere, but there are some that I really enjoy. <laughs> Pelton, lemon pepper wings, uh, where are you at? I'm okay with them. They're not my favorite wings. Ironically, I had not wings, but I had lemon pepper chicken thighs for dinner tonight. Oh, okay. wow. Um, were those of your own making or did you get them from some uh, establishment? The, those were out of the oven. So I had no idea <laughs> that lemon pepper wings were the desire of NBA players. I mean, certainly NBA players like chicken wings. I think many young folks like chicken wings. I had no idea the lengths that dudes were willing to go to get lemon pepper chicken wings. Um, first, we had Rashawn Holmes of the Kings, who went into a 10-day uh, quarantine jail because he crossed the threshold to go get, I don't know, Uber Eats or something was bringing him what? Lemon pepper chicken wings, okay? Now we have Lou Williams, who went to a strip club in Atlanta, Uh, Not to see the entertainers, he points out, but to get the Lou Will lemon pepper chicken wings. And by the way, I also saw that Dame Lillard, he had uh, his 30th birthday was uh, like a week or two ago. And the uh, this was planned in advance. They threw him a big party. His favorite food, which they brought in for him. Lemon pepper chicken wings. Schmitz. Lemon pepper chicken wings. It's quality. It's here. Here's the thing with wings. Like you need a standard, you know, you need the Buffalo just to kind of get a feel for the quality, you know, whether you're at a sports bar or restaurant, you got to see what they're bringing to the table there. But then you kind of need that secondary flavor. You know what I mean? Just to kind of step outside the box a little bit. And that's what lemon pepper has been for me, you know? So Mm -hmm. for some people it's, you know, garlic, some people it's honey, hot barbecue. Uh, but for me that that's lemon pepper. And, and so I'm a fan, uh, you know, I'm with Dame and, and Lou Will and Rashawn Holmes. I, you know, I enjoy a good lemon pepper wing. Schmitz, you've spent an incredible amount of time in Europe and in Africa. Have you ever had a good lemon pepper wing over there? Oh, I don't, you know, I don't think I have, um, I, okay. I don't think I have, but you know, I'll add that to the, to the list. So. All right. So Pelton, <laughs> which is more impressive? Having your number retired and raised at the Raptors of a strip club in Houston, <laughs> as James Harden did, or having a your your favorite 
brand of uh, chicken wing named after you on the menu of a strip club in Atlanta. And as Drake told us, Vegas, Houston, and Atlanta are the best strip club cities. So these are, you know, these are Hall of Famers at Hall of Famers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Houston, Atlanta, Vegas. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I'm going with the menu because, you know, you might miss it. You might not be looking up in the rafters. Right? That's probably not where people's attention is focused when they're uh, in a, analysis. Oh, good. <laughs> a gentleman's club is, I think, has been euphemistically referred to uh, Lou Will's trip to Magic City. Uh, but they're, you're looking at the menu and, and you're inevitably going to see it because it is quite clear that in Atlanta, you get quality food at these gentlemen's establishments. Oh, okay. Schmitz, which is more impressive to you? Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to stick with the lemon pepper theme here. You know, oh. I, I think if you can be on the menu, you know, that's a, that's a huge win. So I, I, w- I would take that over, over the jersey and the Raptors. I see. I think some NBA players who um, they might take the jersey and the Raptors because that's where the real <laughs> money gets spent. Uh, all right, we'll move on to um, – uh, by the way, that was a layup. Yeah, you got to give Lou Will at least 10 days there. Whether what he did is um, – is really, you know, that out of line or however you come down on that. He said he just wanted to get food. Um, you you got to set the tone, right? You know, that if you're going to, if you're going to mess with uh, the bubble, mess with the, with the excused absence that, you know, the, they, they, they got to let everybody know you can't do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, um, I get why the NBA has kind of phrased this is like a punishment in terms of the longer quarantine as opposed to the shorter quarantine that, for example, we've seen that Zion Williamson is under after his uh, excused absence for for personal reasons from the bubble. But I think it actually would be somewhat better if, you know, it it's not like Lou Williams needs to be punished if he was just in there a short period of time. But, you know, if if you don't know what kind of contact he's had with people, what the masking was in these locations, then it becomes a safety issue for everyone in the bubble. No, he had his mask on. That's what busted him. Because the did, rapper yes. dude, who the rapper dude who took the photo, he tried to say it was from before, but the guy had the mask that they issued in Orlando on. You know, Lou had that mask on. It kind of time stamped the photo. Um, all right. Uh, so what we're going to do here, um, you know, Schmitz is uh, he spends 365 days a year analyzing young players, preparing for the draft, this year's draft, next year's draft, four years from now's draft. Uh, by the way, Schmitz, what's the youngest? What age do you start watching guys? Uh, generally 15, 16, uh, you know, whether it's at USA basketball or in Europe, you know, I usually go to the under 16 European championships. So, uh, generally you get 15, 16, but the youngest I've gone is actually, and I'm not too proud to admit this, but is I think 13, uh, there's, there's a kid in, in Europe right now, Victor Wembanyama, who's maybe the best prospect in the world. I've never seen anything like it. So, uh, yeah, I, I went in Victor Wembanyama to see him. Yeah, Victor Wembanyama. So he's like 7'3 with, I don't know, like almost an eight-foot wingspan. And he blocks shots like Rudy Gobert, and he shoots like Porzingis. And he can handle and pass. It's, yeah, I've never seen anything like him. So uh, that that's the earliest I've seen. But, it, yeah, usually, you know, 15, 16 years old. Well, I, I can beat that because uh, Jamal Crawford's <laughs> son, JJ, his uh, youth team was playing before the Jamal's Pro-Am League here in Seattle, the crossover last summer. So he plays just like his dad, and he was nine at the time. <laughs> there you a, go. Did you see a four-point play? Did he get a four-point play? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there was a four-point play. He, okay. he's, he's still focused more on getting to the bucket than the, uh, the pull-up three game at this I point. See. So one of the things about the bubble is that um, there's a number of young guys in there that we think are going to be making a difference, specifically guys on their rookie contract, um, You know, guys in their first four years. Um, and I thought what would be actually this was Andrew Hahn's idea. I want to give credit where it's due, but uh, I liked it. I like the idea of seeing where these guys are now and comparing them to where you guys, you know, what you guys thought of them when they were coming out, because both you guys do a lot of analysis and writing. Um, Pelton, you know, really studies the college stats, especially or European stats. Um, so the first guy I want to start with is kind of a layup. Um, second-year guy from the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic. Um, I mean, this guy obviously is a top-five player in the league right now. I've got to turn in my uh, my All-NBA uh, ballot by tomorrow, or I guess by Tuesday, and I'm fairly certain he's going to be on there. I uh, haven't done it quite yet. But, um, Schmitz, when you look at where Luka is now, um, 
where did you how did you evaluating him when he was coming into the draft from from Europe and you know how far he, what he's done so far now yeah we loved him uh, there there's no you know doubt about that just over the years watching him uh, you know to say he was going to do this uh, I, you know I'd be lying if I said I, I saw this coming especially this quickly to be you know a potential top 5 player in, in the NBA and you know there was still a debate uh, at the top of, of that draft. You know, I think we thought Luca was the best player right now, the best pure basketball player. Um, you know, we, we, we actually took a lot of heat from a lot of people for uh, how much pub we were giving him, just given what he was doing in Europe. And I don't think everybody really understood like how unprecedented, uh, you know, some of the achievements he were, was able to capture just with winning, you know, MVP of the second best league in the world and, and some of the things he did there. Uh, but, you know, we eventually ended up moving DeAndre Ayton to number one uh, on our top 100 and, and in our mock draft just because as you got closer, you continued to hear a little bit more skepticism, you know, from NBA scouts. Uh, you know, we, we, I think we came to the realization that, that what was the skepticism? Kid, like, what were not, you not, ske- not skepticism as in like, he's not going to be a good player, but skepticism is like, in terms of like, okay, is this going to translate to the same level? Like, is a team going to give him the ball, get out of the way and, and let him do his thing, um, you know, right away in the NBA. And if they don't, is he going to be as effective? Um, and then, you know, some scouts went over and, and GMs and executives and he played a long season, right? And there were times when, you know, his body wasn't exactly right. And, and there were times when maybe he looked a little bit more heavy footed than, than other uh, settings. And so uh, from the very beginning, we raved about this kid, loved this kid. Like after I saw him in, in Finland at, at Eurobasket when he was playing with Goran Dragic, I wrote an article that basically said, you know, I've never seen a prospect like this. We moved him to number one immediately. Uh, we, we had him at number one, you know, the for Slovenians the majority of the season. Isn't that right? The Slovenians sort of upset and won. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the Slovenians won. Um, you know, he had the, the huge game against Latvia, a few big moves against Porzingis. And so I, I was able to spend a little bit of time with him. I'm talking to Dragic. Uh, he's raving about him. I'm talking to Anthony Randolph, who's not uh, the most vocal guy. And he's telling me, man, like I, I've never seen a prospect like this in my life. I think this is the best prospect I've ever seen. Interesting because, you know, Anthony Randolph, uh, you know, had a 40 point summer league game. At one point, people thought he was going to be the next uh, big thing. He's a talent. He's a big he's doing it in Madrid. But um, <laughs> yeah, so we, we were really, really high on him. And kind of the moment that sealed it for me, you know, a- after the Eurobasket and all that, like I said, we, we were had him number one, huge fans of his game. I went to Belgrade to, to see him, I think, for the second time during the season. And he had just missed a few weeks with a hamstring injury. I think it was like his third or fourth game back. He had been struggling a little bit. And, you know, he's playing in a legendary arena against Red Star, a team that, you know, he grew up watching quite a bit. Um, and, you know, big game, huge crowd. Uh, everybody's there, all these media members. And he comes out, drops like 26, hits a game-winning pull-up three at the buzzer and does like his version of a Jordan shrug on the way back down court. And it was at that point that I realized, okay, this kid's already a star, 18, 19 years old, doing this on the best team in Europe in the second best league in the world. Uh, you know, I, I think this is going to translate just fine. So to say that I knew he would be a potential MVP candidate that quickly would be lying. Um, but... I do think, you know, the there were a lot of people who were overly critical of his athleticism and this and that, and, and how is it going to translate? And he's clearly, you know, proven all those doubters wrong. You know, Pelton, I didn't know much. I mean, I'm not watching Eurobasket like uh, um, like Schmitz. Um, obviously, I've been around the NBA for a while. I've seen a lot of guards touted that come into the NBA and sort of underwhelm European guards, whether it was Shurinus Yasekavishis or... Juan Carlos Navarro or Ricky Rubio to be a younger player. Um, we know Rubio's had a fine career, but you know, the one thing I'd thought about Doncic was he had great size. You know, the most of the mm-hmm. guards that have come from Europe didn't have that kind of size, but, but Pelton, um, that size is obviously a huge uh, advantage for him. But Pelton, what did you think of Doncic coming out and how has he, uh, gone with what, with what your analysis was? So I don't, as a general rule, ever bring up my past, try not to bring up my past correct predictions because 
is we'll find out over the course of this pod. What about I had a your lot past of bad in- ones too? What about yeah, your incorrect ones? Yeah, we're we're gonna bring those up. We're gonna get to those. But the one that, time I break this rule regularly is to retweet this tweet I posted in May 2016. I'm not saying teams should start taking now to draft Luka Doncic in 2018, but I'm not saying they shouldn't. <laughs> and the, Got the, the receipts. Top, the top reply here is from a young man named Andrew Hahn, who said, wow, I just familiarized myself with Josh Jackson, an incoming freshman at that point, and you're already on 2018. <laughs> right. But, I mean, his statistical projections were off the chart, you know, some of the best that we've, the best that I've ever seen. Now, it's a little bit unfair comparing him to American prospects because you had like all these years of him playing, you know, 30, 40 games a season or a couple years of him playing 30, 40 games a season in the ACB, also playing a bunch of games in EuroLeague. There was like a lot more data to work with than, you know, Anthony Davis and Zion have had the top two college projections of guys since I've started doing these, since we've had advanced stats. And they only had, you know, the one season of college basketball, less than 30 games or or maybe only around 30 games for Zion because he missed some time due to injury. So it's not quite a level playing field, but his numbers were still so far off the chart that, you know, when those questions started arising in the spring before that draft, uh, I remember Jonathan Gavoni and I did a a back and forth about it. And I just I, I couldn't believe it because he seemed like such a sure thing to be a very good player to be. I Like Mike, I didn't expect him to be this good this fast. In fact, I kind of thought he would probably, you know, maybe there would be some questions about him because his game would be a little more subtle in terms of his value. But there was nothing subtle about, you know, since he arrived on the scene from from in Dallas from day one. He's just been completely dominant. Yeah, well, yeah. he gets a great he gets a great opportunity here uh, to do something with the Mavericks in, the, in a short window here um his first playoff games are coming up we didn't expect his first playoff games to be you know at disney world in a bubble but you know (laughs) he gets a chance to to show us and unfortunately for poor marvin bagley who was a good i really like him i like marvin a lot and uh you know he's yet again injured another foot injury won't play the kings had a long shot anyway but won't play um as the guy drafted after him um is in position to to really do something here, Schmidt. So um, I'm excited to watch that. So um, another guy uh, who I've got, uh, who, you know, look, these guys are stars, but um, uh, has a big opportunity here. Um, the guy who is on his rookie contract, but has already signed his max extension. That's Ben Simmons. Um, moving to power forward, already showing some signs of what that meant. I think today, uh, in their scrimmage game, although Embiid was out today, and so <laughs> it's hard to evaluate Simmons when Embiid's not playing. But uh, he racked up a whole bunch of free throws because he was uh, getting down the court and um, and getting set up, not having to worry about bringing the ball up, and was getting free throws early in the shot clock. Uh, Pelton, um, Ben Simmons as a max player playing power forward. Is that what you saw uh, three years ago when he was the number one overall pick? I mean, it's funny because this actually moves him closer to what I was thinking in that draft. Like, you know, one of the, a part of what I envisioned was sort of like bigger Draymond Green in terms of his potential to be a disruptive defender, to make plays is a role man in the pick and roll. If you're, you know, if you're trapping those picks and he's getting the ball on the short roll like Draymond Green does and attacking defenses four on three. And that's so what we're going to see from him a little bit last a uh, couple of games since they made that move. So it, in so it took kind of a circuitous route. I, I always thought he was someone who was going to have the ball in his hands a fair amount, but I was a little surprised when, you know, Brett Brown from day one kind of declared he is a point guard. We're going to play him that way because it did seem like, you know, it, it exacerbated some of the, the liability of his shooting, which the other, the other thing that's happened is he, he shot two, three pointers in their opening scrimmage, made one of them, looked pretty comfortable doing so. And, you know, that's an encouraging uh, sign in itself. Schmitz, I don't remember one thing that he did at LSU. Like, I'm sure he had great games. I don't recall one of them. Yeah, the team struggled. Um, and, and, you know, this is one that I'll come out and say, like, I I just got wrong. You know, like, I, I still have my questions about him in, in some ways. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that. But 
Uh, I did not think that he would be this caliber of, of defender is, is really where he surprised me most. Um, you know, watching that LSU team in person several times, you know, being at the game where they lost 38 to 71 in the SEC tournament, like sitting right behind their bench. Uh, you know, I just didn't see that ca- that that type of fight that you would want to see consistently. Um, and I think just his size and his instincts and his quickness um, has just been so overpowering uh, in his ability to step out and and guard point guards. Um, And like Pelton said, that's kind of how I saw him too was really as like a playmaking four as opposed to a point guard. And that's where I was kind of surprised as well when they came out and just gave him the ball. I thought, okay, this guy's going to be like, you know, your third scoring option in the half court. He's going to be like Kevin said, like somewhat like a Draymond offensively where he's, you know, playing out of short roles. Maybe you post him up. Um, but yeah, at LSU, there were there we were definitely skeptical of you know whether or not his style translated to winning, um, and, and I don't think we gave him enough of a pass for you know his supporting cast. To be honest, I mean, I was looking through uh, some of the names on that team, okay, and not not to drag these guys through the mud, but. You know, Keith Hornsby, okay, he's playing in Poland. Antonio Blakeney, he's playing in China. Craig Victor, he's playing in Sweden. Tim Quarterman, G League rotation player. Josh Gray, very good G League player. Brandon Sampson, G League. Like, he he wasn't playing with, uh, you know, other NBA caliber dudes. And they were just running a lot of post-ups through him, you know. And and you'd see the flashes in transition here or there. But, uh, you know, I was just... I wasn't sure that he was a competitor, to be honest. And, and I, I questioned that that part of him. And, you know, thus far, he's proven me wrong in that regard. Now, like I said, I'm, I'm still waiting to see uh, in a playoff game, you need him to show up or go get a bucket in the half court. Can he do that? And I've just always thought, you know, if you're 6'10 and athletic and you have freedom in the open court in the regular season, you can go get 20 and 10. But when the when the court shrinks a little bit, uh, what's it going to look like? And so, um, you know, I'm glad that they've kind of moved him to that spot. I, I think that's, a, you know, you have a little bit more opportunity to be creative there. And um, so, you know, we'll see how it looks in Orlando. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, in, with the teams in front of them. You know, I don't know how Miami is going to play. They're, you're just getting some guys back, for example. Um, if Philly plays Boston in the first round, talk about appointment mm-hmm. TV. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. Um, All right. So the next guy I want to talk about, this guy was a little bit more, a little bit more of a range on him. Uh, Jason Tatum. Tatum, obviously, we all remember, was taken third out of Duke. Uh, The Celtics moved back um, so that the uh, 76ers could move up to get Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is in the bubble, but he is not on our uh, list here to be talked about. But uh, Jason Tatum, Schmitz, uh, I feel, you know, Jason Tatum is almost certainly going to get a max contract at the conclusion of this. There was some discussion um, by some people, by some agents and people in the players' union um, before this uh, this bubble, while this bubble was being negotiated out. Could players who were in danger of um, of injury could they could they sign an extension early? Cause this is July, you know, um, mm-hmm. and Jason Tatum was, you know, he was a quintessential version of that. I think Tatum would have loved to have signed. I think he was planning all along to have his extension done in the first week of July and, uh, just not, not there. So, um, you know, they were able to get a little bit more insurance for the guys, but still, um, so I think Tatum is going to be a max player. Um, but what did you think of Tatum? when he was coming out of Duke and, and how has he lived up to that or, or, or even exceeded it? Yeah, he's exceeded my expectations for sure. Uh, you know, I really liked him. I loved how, how smooth he was and his ability to, you know, score it, especially in those mid range spots, obviously was really his bread and butter, um, you know, coming out of high school. And, uh, but I, you know, I give him so much credit for extending his three ball the way he, he has making shots off the dribble from three, the way he has, Um, You know, there were definitely some questions just about like the style at which he played at times. You know, it was a lot of like mid post jab heavy, 
um, you know, ISO game, right? And I think going to Boston was one of the best things that ever happened to him, you know, going there as a rookie and having to play more of a role uh, alongside other guys, like learning how to be more of a catch and shoot threat, learning how to, you know, attack closeouts and be a little bit more decisive with his movements, learning how to be, you know, accountable every single night on the defensive end. Like those are things he showed flashes of at Duke. Um, but you know, those, those were some questions, right? Like the decision-making was a little bit of a question. You know, he lived so much off of those long contested twos. Um, and then sometimes the, the defensive toughness, you know, as well, but really, I think he's a product of overscouting in some ways. Um, you know, he's a kid who has been in the USA basketball system since he was 14 years old. And, you know, when you see a kid 200 times, sometimes you're, you're poking the holes more than you're, you're praising the strengths. Um, and I think when you boil it down, you know, this was a guy who's six, eight, as smooth as they come with a near seven foot wingspan and had great basketball instincts and was productive pretty much everywhere he went. So, you know, I give him a ton of credit. Um, you know, he, I know he's had long hours in the gym with, with Drew Hanlon, you know, since the very beginning, you know, out in St. Louis. And, um, so he's, he's surpassed my expectations. He looks like a, like you said, a, a max player. Um, you know, we were still high on him. We really liked him. I think we flirted with having him, you know, potentially at number one at one point. Uh, but you know, it was a real conversation like him or Josh Jackson and a lot of NBA scouts as well. were having, you know, that conversation, uh, and Josh Jackson, people forget, I mean, he was a monster at Kansas. He looked like the next Andre Udala. There were all these teams trying to (laughs) trade the the, the Suns had the number four pick Mm -hmm. and all these teams were trying to, you know, were offering the Suns stuff and they were like, no, Mm -hmm. Josh Jackson is our man. And I was like, Oh really? So yeah, um, yeah, and I hope I hope Josh I hope for Josh he's able to turn things around and well he's bounced back a little bit he's bouncing back a little bit but man like just talk about situation though I think this is something I, I try to harp on a lot but you go to Brad Stevens you go to a team with infrastructure strong ownership uh, strong general manager vets winning situation and then you look at Josh Jackson's teammates his rookie year that that whole organization was in flux goats. Uh, it's just they had yeah, goats, goats and they had goats, goats in the GM's office. <laughs> so, um, yeah, liked him, uh, but didn't think Jason Tatum would be this this quickly. And he is a bona fide stud. Yeah, I think that was a a good setup there for Mike. I mean, that's you know pretty much everything I saw. The the one thing I'd add, he was a little banged up his season at Duke, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was. He he dealt with I think some nagging injuries. So his statistical projections weren't great. And, you know, I had him in a tier with Josh Jackson and then also with uh, OG Inunobi, who has turned out to be a fine player, but obviously not anywhere near Tatum's class. And I I think he's right. You know, Mike's right that the Boston system has been absolutely great for Tatum's development. I think back to his summer league, his rookie year, where he was still playing that very you know, a lot of isolation, a lot of long twos. Mm-hmm. Even if you liked him, I think the comp for him was Carmelo Anthony probably. Mm-hmm. And he's now become a much more versatile player. He's also someone who's getting getting a lot of all defensive consideration this year uh, based on his defensive stats. So that's, you know, I don't know if something you would have predicted for him coming into the NBA either. All right, so let's stay with the Celtics. Jalen Brown, fourth-year player. Um, the Celtics, to me, could really go either way in this bubble. Um, they have uh, Kemba Walker, who did play today with a banged-up knee, um, just hadn't been great the second half of the season since he, since his knee started bothering him. And then Gordon Hayward is going to have to leave the bubble at some point, um, depending on his, when his wife uh, gives birth to, I think, their fourth child. I think it's their fourth. Um, and look, I mean... You know, I don't know. I don't know to what extent they planned this child, but I mean, you have a due date in September. You're thinking that's about an ideal time to have a child in the NBA calendar, um, and now it's a terrible time. And so, you know, and it's the thing. Like, even if Hayward is able to, if everything goes well and she does the birth and he's able to get back, he's going to have to quarantine for for four days. And you know, and and you know, if he's gone for six or seven days, that can be four games, uh, you know, three or four games of a playoff series. So, uh, I'm a little bit worried about the Celtics, and um, uh, but Jalen Brown's going to play a big role in that. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with with Celtics players last summer when I covered Team USA. Uh, not that I didn't know them, but this was a great opportunity to see them every day and be around them every day. There was four Celtics on that team, and uh, Jalen Brown was a really important player on that team, and Jason Tatum 
was argue, you know, you know, Kemba was like their veteran leader, but uh, Tatum was arguably the best player on the team. And uh, he turned his ankle in overtime or maybe to get the game to overtime when the U S almost lost to Turkey. Uh, Ersan Ilyasova was kick and tail on the, on the block. Like I'd never seen before. I was <laughs> rubbing my, I was rubbing my eyes going, what the hell is going on? Uh, but uh, Tatum sprained his ankle right at the end of the game was a kind of a rough sprain. And they were to be quite honest with you, the team USA was never the same again without him. Um, but Jalen Brown played an important role on that team. And, um, he signed a hundred million dollar contract extension before the season. Um, you know, this was a guy who was part, I'm trying to think, was he, was he their pick or was he the Nets pick Pelton? I can't remember. Uh, he was number three pick, but I yeah, can't that was, remember. That was the swap, I think was that. Oh, one. the swap. Okay. Yeah. So, um, uh, where did you have, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I did not see, I'm going to be honest with you. I never saw him play one game at Cal. So I, I didn't know much about him when he came in, but where did you have him? Where did you have him evaluated when he came in? Well, I mean, he's, he's one of the biggest outliers and one of my biggest misses on record. I, I, I think it's I'm so uh, sorry. Reason, reasonable to say. Yeah. I mean, he had a negative projection for wins above replacement player in the NBA based on his stats at Cal. And, you know, if you look at the guys in that group, there's, there's some players in the second round who have gone on to become, you know, quality players. Malcolm Brogdon fell into that Josh Richardson, but you know, very rarely is it one and done guys who are taken in the lottery because there's, there's not a lot like that. And right, they usually very, have better numbers. Yeah. Right. And very rarely do guys like that end up being quality NBA players. And Jalen Brown is now, you know, a, a really ideal role player for what you want. Do you know that he NBA could way. end up as he could end up as a max player? I don't uh, if the this, if the cap goes down. This gets complicated because we don't have negotiated, but there's a possibility that the salary cap should fall. There's a possibility that they may artificially inflate it. But even though Ben Simmons signed for what was it, 140? Uh give or take. Was that what he signed for, Pelton? Like somewhere in there? That sounds um, right. And Jalen Brown, well, it was for, it was for, well, it was once for four, once for five. It's not comparable that way. But anyway, the South, the, the max could come down because the salary caps come down. You don't get guaranteed that money. We, we report the money is guaranteed because we assume the cap is not going to collapse. Well, the cap's in danger of collapsing and the cap could come all the way down to the point where Jalen Brown's money is a max money. All right, never mind. but keep, uh, keep going on. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> uh, 170 for, for Simmons was the original expected value of that. Yeah, so I, I think part of what I missed there was, you know, he was playing on a Cal team that had zero floor spacing and he was a part of that to some extent, but also they were primarily playing him at small forward with two non-shooting bigs and, and that worked out pretty well defensively for them, but offensively, he was just trying to go one-on-one -on -one to nowhere. And again, I think going to Boston has helped some of those bad habits. His shot selection was not very good at Cal. That was really frustrating, I think, for me to watch and I probably overvalued it. Uh, much as, you know, Mike talked about with Ben Simmons and some of his bad habits at LSU, same kind of thing. But, you know, he's the the athleticism was always there. The the defensive potential was always there. And then the ability to become this kind of a shooter, I think, was well within his reach. So, you know, there were a lot of people, including Mike and Jonathan, who who did see that potential in him. And uh, were oh, right on that so one. Schmitz was uh, Schmitz. You were on this one. Yeah, we were we were very pro Jalen Brown. He's one of the names I you know try to bring up uh, when I'm talking about you know scouting guys before college, right? And, and you know, thankfully we had the opportunity to see him on the Adidas circuit, uh, you know, at, at Adidas Euro Camp with Team USA. Um, you know, he wasn't great at the Hoop Summit. It was not a great week for him. But seeing him in different uh, scenarios, different settings. Uh, get different contexts where he was the man and, and you had seen him, you know, make shots with range off the catch, off the dribble, be a little bit of a better decision maker, really buy in defensively. I think we had him at number one at some point early on, Whoa. potentially oh, even I before, don't remember that. before the college season. I want to say there was maybe a short window where we did, you know, we do mock drafts two years out. So uh, I think it was pretty early on. And then it was, you know, eventually the, the Simmons Ingram debate, but uh, yeah, no, I think Kevin, you know, hit the nail on the head with uh, just kind of the the context that Cal, you know, playing with, you know, multiple bigs that were not floor spacers. And, you know, here's a guy who's used to having the ball in his hands and getting wherever he wants. Uh, and now it's a clogged lane. There's not a lot of shooting. It's a smaller floor. Everyone's waiting to take charges in, in college. And 
you know, his jumper abandons him a little bit and it's a small sample season. And then there you go, you know? So, uh, thankfully we had, you know, kind of, uh, a bigger sample to look at with him and, you know, he's continued to get better. And like Kevin said, you know, has become a very reliable standstill shooter, a good defender. And, um, so yeah, he's, he's been, you know, one of the, one of the few wins that, that we've had at Jonathan and I. Yeah, once or, you guys have been right about one or two guys. It's amazing. You guys still have a job. Um, so you, mentioned, you mentioned Brandon Ingram. Uh, he's our next guy. Um, pretty important to the Pelicans, not only in this bubble, but going forward. Um, you know, he uh, he is a guy that uh, I haven't made up my mind yet on my ballot. I haven't really dug down into it. I'm going to do that tomorrow slash Monday. Um, but I, I, I have a strong lean for him for most improved. And Sometimes, you know, look, the reason he all of a sudden has a whole bunch more shots is because he gets traded away from LeBron James. Um, you know, I understand that. I understand early in his career he had to play with Kobe. I think as a rookie he had to play with Kobe. Um, now, this is a guy that I did watch a lot in college. And I got into a debate with an executive about him. I remember this vividly. It was at the finals, uh, whatever year that was. I remember sitting in the in the stands at uh, the or at Oracle Arena before one of the finals games talking to a to a you know a, a general manager who I, I respect a lot and uh, he and I had sort of had wagers on players before I remember we got into a fight at one point about Evan Fournier <laughs> and uh, he said Fournier was better I didn't think Fournier was any good he thought he was better and so um we we locked horns about Brandon Ingram and he was just determined uh, that this guy was going to be a stud and he was a big believer in Brandon Ingram and um, uh, he looks good four years later. Um, Schmitz, what did you think of Ingram coming out and you know, the way, the way his career has gone to this point? Yeah, we thought we were pretty vocal about him being the best prospect in the draft. You know, we wrote multiple articles about it, uh, and I, I've been very vocal about my support of him over the years. And, you know, I stand by that. I, I still, to this day, you know, if I'm starting a franchise tomorrow and someone says Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram, I'm going to take Brandon Ingram. And, and uh, you know, I, I just I, I look at a guy who's six foot nine with that length who can score it from all over the floor and has continued to improve. And, you know, for him, he was always a late bloomer, like even at Duke, he was a complete baby. So you knew it was going to take him a little bit of time. And then, you know, Brian, you alluded to it. Like, look at some of those Lakers teams, right? I mean, you're talking about Lou Will, D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Nick Young, Julius Randle. Okay. And this kid is supposed to come in. Who's a small town kid. Who's shy. Who's a little bit. Kinston, North Carolina. I'm pretty sure. Right. Where he's from. Yeah. Kinston, North Carolina. And, and you know, weighs about a buck 80 at the time and, you know, clearly struggled to find his way. Right. And, well, he's and now, about maybe 215 now. I don't know, maybe <laughs> more, maybe 220. He's put on a bunch of weight. And I think he's going to continue to fill out. Um, so, and I just, it drives me a little bit crazy, the lack of respect he gets, honestly. Um, and, and I look at like, he's like five months younger than Jason Tatum, you know, and I know he hasn't, made the same jump defensively and Tatum's on a winning team and, and this and that, and his game is more aesthetically pleasing at times. But like, I look at how we rank some of these guys, you know, and it's like, there's this 40, 30 spot gap between Brandon Ingram and, and Jason Tatum. And, and I get it, you know, like it's, it's been a long road for him. Well, so if you're, far if you're, if you're taking career. him over, if you're taking him over Simmons, I assume you're taking him over Tatum too, right? Are you saying that? Well, no, well? I, I like Tatum more than, okay, more than okay. Simmons. So I would still go Tatum, Ingram Simmons, and you know, I I might be on an island. Wow, in that Tatum regard, is, uh, but... or, or, or Simmons is back in your rankings there. <laughs> I just really, I just really like this kid, man, and I think he's going to continue to get better as a passer. I think he's going to continue to get better as a defender. Um, and like I said, that's just it's a really tough prototype to find. You know, six foot nine, six ten, who can go get a shot at will um, against even some of the best NBA defenders. So. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I know it hasn't uh, been the, the easiest path for him and I get why people knock him, but, you know, he's still 22 years old and, and clearly turned the corner this season. And I think, you know, he's just going to continue to get better and better. Almost certainly going to get a max. The question is going to be, will the Pelicans make somebody else do it? Like, will they, you know, sort of make the uh, Hawks make an offer or will they just, uh, will they just take care of it and do it? We'll see. Uh, Pelton, do you have uh... Ingram's still ahead of uh, Ben Simmons. Were you, were you on that? 
No, I, you know, I've I've always been more of a Simmons guy. I, I think Ingram has made it much more of a debate this season. But still, if you look at the all-in-one value numbers, uh, Simmons comes out better this season, sometimes fairly substantially so, largely because of the defensive end of the court, as is, is, uh, Mike mentioned in his conversation. I think that's the next thing for him because – you know, he he obviously has a lot of defensive tools. He's got quick feet for his size, the length, all of that should be translating. One of the reasons he didn't come out super well in my projections, not as well as Simmons, is the fact that his steal rate was always pretty disappointing. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, something that tends to be a really big indicator for prospects and and even above and beyond its value as an indicator it's also just you know a really valuable thing to have for a team is steals because of the uh, opportunities they create for you at the offensive end in addition to to foresee a turnover so you know that that was one reason i think that you know is one reason that simmons was ahead and remains ahead but what ingram has done over the past year has been really remarkable because as, as late as middle of last year you know i was looking at my shaney comps for him i remember being at a lakers game in early january 2019 and you know, it was a Lakers Timberwolves game and his number one comp I think was Andrew Wiggins and there was a couple other guys of that ilk in the uh, rankings and he's really transcended that in large part because of his development as a shooter so that it's not just a steady diet of those you know mid-range jumpers that are hard to be efficient on but you do need if you're going to be a star player and self-create your own shots but it's also been the catch and shoot threes improvement at the free throw line which suggests it's more real and I think uh, by the way he's gone from a six 68% free throw shooter to an 86% free throw shooter in one year. I mean, I don't have those numbers in front of me. I don't know that's ever happened before. 20% improvement in year four. Crazy. There's a few guys like Carl Malone did that at some point in his career, I think. But yeah, it's it's pretty rare. And it's, if I were a, we're not talking about Lonzo Ball, who also could be on this list. But if I were a big market team with money to spend, which I don't know if any of them do at this point because of the pandemic and uh, not having fans in seats, but I would be trying to hire Fred Vincent away from the New Orleans Pelicans because he has transformed both Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram as shooters this year. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Okay, so um, Carl Malone's rookie year. I did not know this. The machine knows this. Carl <laughs> Malone's rookie year, Schmitz. What do you think he shot from the free throw line? 65%. 48%. Ooh, man. And by, by year three, he was at 70. But that was by year three. He, right. he had incremental improvement. 20, you know, He went up 50, then went, to, went from 48 to 60 to 70 to uh, 76, which is where about he was the rest of his career. Um, but, you know, uh, Ingram uh, at 39% on threes for the year on six per game. Uh, that's way, way up, although he was in the 40s for a lot of the year. He sort of slipped, uh, shooting slipped a little bit in the back end. But, um, uh, okay, a couple more guys here I want to go through real quick. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, another guy who will be offered a max contract, I'm sure, at the end of the season. I, well, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I would be stunned if he isn't. Um, Mitchell, well-known late lottery trade from the Nuggets. Pelton, where did you have Mitchell coming out of Louisville um, versus where he's been? I'm, I would be a little surprised if you saw this type of player. No, I mean... You know, based on his college stats, it's quite surprising. I think, he, think he's the rare player who almost I, I went this, back, right? Sort of put his name in without the intention mm-hmm. of staying in the draft, sort mm-hmm. of. Yeah, and Mike can speak a lot to you know his rise in the rankings, but the rare player who I think maybe even had a higher usage rate in the NBA as a rookie than he did in college, which is is wild because he had that opportunity uh, with Gordon Hayward's departure in Utah to become the centerpiece of the offense and really ran with it, starting with, you know, I vividly remember being at the Utah Summer League that year uh, and the vitriol among the Jazz fans about Gordon Hayward leaving because I think they played the Celtics. Mm -hmm. The Celtics were Mm -hmm. definitely there. I think they played the Celtics the game after the 4th of July and that Gordon Hayward announcement. But there was a stretch where Donovan Mitchell maybe stripped 
Tatum or Brown who were both playing in that summer league and took it the other end and packed it. And the fans just immediately took to him. It was, could not have been a per, more that was, marriage. That, that was that summer league was in Salt Lake city, right? Right. So, yeah. 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 They just fell in love with him right away. And, uh, you know, he's an interesting, one thing that came up his rookie year is he was like a, I think he was a two foot jumper at Louisville mm-hmm. and they trained him to jump off one feet foot in his one feet, one foot. And, uh, his, his finishing improved dramatically, which is an interesting example of player development in the NBA. Schmitz, you had him ranked fifth, right? Third. Fifth <laughs> First, uh, no, he, He's another guy who really rose, you know, quote unquote rose, but late in the process because of his interviews and his workouts. I remember being in Chicago and, you know, Jonathan and I, mostly Jonathan, we we started kind of organizing like our own little mini combine at the UIC gym where we'd say, hey, guys, like come through, get some shots up. Look at you guys. Uh, And we'll we'll film you. Are you going to? Are you going to put your own mini combine on this year if the league doesn't no, do it? Unfortunately, not. I don't have enough space in my uh, two bedroom apartment here. But um, so we had him in, and I remember his workout vividly, just like, you know, the, the net barely moved with how he was shooting the ball, right? And then after he's running sprints, okay? And, and, and like he's fired up, getting everybody going. You know, you sit down, you talk with him, you get to know him, uh, and you realize. And this kid is the complete package. Uh, and so he's really a win kind of for the Intel guys, right? Like just, just the importance of drafting a guy and, and betting on his mentality, because that's always been Donovan Mitchell. Like his, his mind and his focus was ahead of his skill, you know, early on. I mean, in high school, you know, I remember watching him at the Jordan brand regional game in New York, not even, he didn't even make the, the, the main game. He made the regional game, which is just, you know, kids in that area who they invite and they play before kind of like like as, as the appetizer. And he went for 30 points and was dunking on everybody and playing with this reckless abandoned energy. And that's what he was in high school. He was like an energy defender dunker who was not a great shooter yet and was still kind of figuring it out. And then, you know, he started to turn the corner. Um, I remember being in, in Salt Lake also for that game, uh, Kevin, dur- during the summer league. And yeah, I think we were both there, you know, watching him, uh, you know, strip like you said Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and, and bring that defensive energy and then also you know add in some of the offense so uh, as we got closer to the draft you know we got a up close and personal look at just who this kid was and you know definitely we're, we're fans of his and kind of the rest is history here um Pelton I was talking to an executive last week not a general manager but a ranking guy in a front office and he speculate i said he was the first person to ever say to me i don't know about uh mitchell being a, a max player and i rejected that thought um number one uh this is you know you know you know what i call it i stole this from another gm the fun max um you know uh it's 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 a lower part it's low percentage of the cap the players are younger they're healthier they're usually getting they're improving they're getting better it's a good time for their career some of their going into their prime years um the fun max is uh, what i call the first max out um i was like come on salt you know in salt lake city in utah he's a he's a god there he's a max player but in a vacuum what do you think about that kev I, I think it'd be dangerous to mess around with that. I, I do I think Mitchell is probably a bit overrated right now, a touch overrated right now because of the fact that he's been in a great situation on uh, a good team, a strong defensive team where his volume shooting has kind of been what they've needed. If he was on a bad team, I think we'd probably have some more questions about, you know, is he translating his defense as well as he should? Uh, Is he kind of an empty stats guy? Like if you flip him and Devin Booker, I think we'd probably have a lot more questions about Donovan Mitchell than we do right now. But to go back to that Gordon Hayward conversation, part of the reason Jazz were in that situation in the first place is they messed around with Gordon Hayward after his rookie contract was up. He went and took a bunch of visits. They made him sign an offer sheet, which he got a three-year offer sheet as opposed to the five that they could have signed him to, and he was gone after three. Correct. So I don't think you want to risk that again if you're Utah. All right. A couple more guys are going to run through here. Bam at a bio, another uh, late lottery pick, uh, great pick by the Heat. Um, uh, the Heat, you know, doing that, uh, the Heat have made a number of really good uh, transactions uh, over the last 12 months, um, moving out Hassan Whiteside. Um, not only got rid of Hassan Whiteside off the roster, 
but also opened it up for Bam, who is uh, who can handle the ball and also play center, all star. Um, he's not he's not going to get a max contract in the off season, uh, even though I think he should, because the Heat are going to save money for the twenty twenty one summer. Uh, uh, that's a storyline that I can almost guarantee for you is that Bam Adebayo will not sign the contract extension this off season, and it'll be Bam will take care of you later. Um, Pelton, uh, where did you have Adebayo coming out? Um, yeah, this one was a total a total misfire, a case of someone who didn't really show off the full skill set at Kentucky, as we've seen with a handful of guys over the years. And, you know, I thought he'd be a good defensive player, but didn't think he was really skilled enough offensively, uh, which has been proven completely wrong, is now all of a sudden he's playing point center, point power forward for the Heat. Uh, Mike and I, we did when we did our rankings of top 10 players from this this junior NBA class, the third-year players, uh, a few weeks ago, you know, one of the things he pointed out is is how what incredible improvement he's made as a passer. And, you know, I looked it up, and he had, I believe, the lowest or second lowest assist rate projection in my projections coming out of college of any player who'd ever averaged five assists per game in the NBA. You gotta love, you know, Riley went to Kentucky. You gotta love Riley has got to have loved going into Kentucky and pulling out guys who are underrated uh, at a bio. And now Tyler hero has had a good rookie here. Uh, Schmitz, where did you think? Uh, what do you think about? I, I remember when a bio came out at a bio came out, there was a lot of people liked his athleticism, but um you know, nobody saw this from him. They thought him as a role-playing big. Yeah, I thought, I, I'm kind of with Kevin there. I thought he'd be a really serviceable energy big. You know, he was physical, explosive, you know, tear the rim off type of dude. Uh, but I never saw the skill set. And, and it's kind of funny because when we first started watching him and interviewing him, his thing was always like, man, I want to play on the wing. You know, like I want to have the ball in my hands and I, and I want to be this like playmaking guy. That's a right? red flag. Yeah. So many, yeah and, so many right. Willie Colley-Stein. Yeah. And, and a lot of times you hear that and you're like, ah, oh, man, like is, is he really going to lock in on being like this energy dude, which I think he should be, right? And so I think he goes to Kentucky and he always played hard, but uh, then he goes to Kentucky and it's like, okay, Play as hard as you can all the time. This is your role. This is who you're going to be. He embraces that, does a great job with that. But then you start questioning the skill aspect, right, which he wasn't really able to show. Um, And then he goes to Miami, the perfect situation for him to focus on those little things first, become elite in that area. And then the funny thing is now he's bringing the ball up the court. Now he's playing this like point center role that he always wanted to play because he became, you know, such a versatile, effective defender and and finisher first. And so it's really come full, full circle for him. And, you know, once you hear more about his story and the type of person he is, you know, you got to give him a lot of credit. Uh, You know, he's, he's done a great job of kind of maximizing his potential so far. And yeah, I mean, you'd scouts will tell you, like, if you went to Kentucky practice, you know, you would see him bringing the ball up and doing a little bit of this and that. And, uh, but I don't know, man, I saw him play at the AAU level and I never saw anything that would indicate he was going to become this. So hats off to Bam. Yeah. Real quick, uh, Jamal Murray, another guy from Kentucky, um, signed a max before the uh, season. Um, Denver is going to need him because they're in flux so many different ways, but uh, he's got a hamstring issue and he's missed the first two scrimmages. Um, I think he was a seventh overall pick has turned into one of the better players from that draft though. Um, Schmitz, uh, real. I want to be real quick here because I, I we're yep. running out of time. But uh, Jamal Murray, yeah, he was a stud at, at Kentucky. You know, he's one of the most productive players they've had. Twenty points, five assists. You know, shot forty percent from three. Was always a big time worker. Uh, really stood out at the Nike Hoop Summit. He played up a year, two years in a row. So knew he'd be good. Um, you know, didn't know how he would adjust to playing like more on the ball. He was always a little bit more of an off ball guy. Um, or a little bit of both, but you projected him kind of as a combo. And I think he found a perfect partner in, in Jokic, you know, they can play him with a, a passing big and run him, you know, off handoffs and these quick actions. And, and he's been really, really good. So, um, you know, maybe a little bit better as a facilitator than I expected, but overall, you know, we were fairly high on him and, and he's had a, a really nice career so far. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. And starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start. With thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can, even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. 
And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. Pelton, did you, you like the, uh, Murray coming out? I did. You had the three guards that went back to back to back there. Uh, Chris Dunn at number five, Buddy Heald at number six, Murray at number seven. And he was my favorite of those three players. And I, you know, I think you could go back and forth between him and Heald and the best on the better career so far. But given that Murray is, uh, I don't think I've adjusted in this spreadsheet for Buddy Heald's age. He's four years younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, you definitely, he's the one you'd rather have of those two guys going forward. So not surprising that he was the one that got the max while he got slightly less than that. And John, we'll see as a restricted free agent this summer. All right. Let me ask you this. So, um, hopefully in a year, we're not talking about being in a bubble, but of the young guys who were just taken in this draft, we're going to, we're going to take out Zai and Zion. Oh my God. I botched that. Uh, Zai and Zion. Ja and Zion. Um, just cause you know, they've covered him a lot. We both are all real high on him or we all are real high on them. Um, which of these guys from this draft, these rookies, you know, outside the top two picks, if a year from now, were you expecting to maybe be talking about having this type of impact? Uh, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I look at guys like Rui Hachimura, who's already putting up good numbers for the wizards. I don't know. Somebody's got to put up numbers for the wizards, but, um, Pelton, do you have a, a pick out of these guys? I think it's probably Shea Gilders Alexander, right? I mean, we'll see what the Oklahoma City roster looks like in a year. But, you know, when we did the same ranking uh, for second-year players, we were both clear that he was our number one guy outside of the, the, the top two players, Luke and Trey, from this class. Or you have, yeah. you have him ahead of Trey, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've always been really, really high on him, and I think he's – I mean, about a, a year away from stardom. So, and, and then from you know from this last draft, uh, I think that Tyler Hero is is a guy who could potentially you know continue to emerge. I mean, like you said at, at Kentucky, you know he was more of an off off ball guy, kind of running around screens and pin downs and all that. But the more you watch him play pick and roll. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of Devin Booker there in, in just the way he moves with the ball and can get to his pull-ups and, um, you know, probably a little bit uh, ahead defensively at the, at the same stage, even though there's still some some areas to improve. So, um, you know, I think he's a guy, if we're talking about last year's draft, that, you know, could could really emerge. And then, yeah, definitely on the same page with, with Shea there. Yeah, I guess I meant the guys who are rookies now. Um, yeah, I screwed that uh, up. Sh- no, it's okay. No, <laughs> Shea, like, look... Uh, I told you guys I'm super high on the Thunder's uh, the Thunder's uh, opportunity in this draft or in this uh, bubble, and but like uh, you know you're you're probably going to say Matisse Thibel, right, uh, uh, Pelton? Uh, Matisse Thibel is on my all rookie first team, but I, I don't know if he quite fits the the criteria here. I mean, I'd probably say either Kobe White or Cam Reddish, both guys who came on over the course of the season. Remains to be seen with Kobe White how much of it was just kind of uh, unsustainably hot shoot three point shooting for him right before the league shut down. But you know, I think he'll probably have an opportunity to do a lot more in year two. And and Reddish, the Hawks are going to need him to grow into a much better player if they want to compete for a playoff spot next year, which seems to be their intent. Uh, Knicks fans want you to say R.J. Barrett, uh, Schmitz. Yeah, listen, you know, R.J. Barrett, I think, is going to be a really, really successful player in the NBA for a long time. He's competitive. He's physical. He likes to get downhill. We'll see the the fit with, you know, with Tibbs. Um, but, yeah, from this last class, Tyler Hero is is definitely my guy just in terms of, you know, a guy who can shoot it in a variety of ways and I think has a lot more on-ball potential, uh, you know, than we've seen. All right. Well, I uh, I enjoyed this little uh, analysis. I hope uh, you guys did too. Um, we're getting closer, uh, just a few days away from the, the seeding games restarting. Um, thank you, Kevin. Thank you to Mike Schmitz. Thank you to Andrew Hahn in LA and to Troy Farkas in Connecticut. Hope you guys all have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast.
You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.